welcome to the Serpent Temple podcast. This week, we are going to be reviewing two new albums. The first one is going to be Communion by Grave Lines, and the second is going to be Hiss by Wormrot. And then we're going to be tacking on a fun interview that we did at Hellfest onto the end as well. So you can listen to that um, and or watch. But first, Floyd, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Not too bad. I went to watch a Thor Love and Thunder the other day. Nice. How was it? Everyone yeah. is very Marmite about I it. I loved it. Yeah? I thought it was great. I thought it was... Do you know what? I don't give as much of a shit about the MCU franchise as a lot of other people. So I feel like when you're not like that heavily invested into how like the overall like story arcs are going to progress, you can enjoy these films so much more. Mm. But like, quite enjoyed that. What else? Um... Yeah, just sweating my balls off. It reached 40 <laughs> degrees <laughs> the other day, which was interesting. You got a taste of Hellfest. Yeah. Where were you the 40 degree day? Uh, at home, dying. Yeah, English houses are like designed to be hot. Yeah, that was the one day I wished I was at my mum's house because I mean, you would have seen it. She's got really high ceilings. Yeah. So it retains a lot of like coolness. But um, it's, yeah, it's funny. I remember I was going to the gym that day and I was, throughout the whole day I was thinking to myself, I am. I, I might have to sack this on the head because <laughs> I was, and it was so annoying because I get the twenty nine bus from near where I live in Camden. You just and, doxed yourself. Huh? You just doxed yourself. Yeah. Oh, it was. Did I? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. But it was. Um, I was waiting on the twenty nine bus, and like there is no cloud cover or shade near that bus stop and they're like greenhouses with wheels yeah yeah well no this wasn't even on the bus yet this was just at the bus stop oh like there's no cloud cover there and basically um normally the 29 comes very regularly like the most i've ever had to wait is like sort of like four or five minutes i waited fucking 15 minutes oh. for this bus and the searing heat and i was thinking of all days for these buses to be running late <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I got to the gym and the aircon was so amazing. That I ended up just spending most of the day at the gym, just taking my time. Because I was thinking, this is, this is still less taxing than just standing outside. It was horrific. Like, it, I, it happened at Hellfest, but it, happened, it was worse here because it's muggier. So there's more humidity. So it's like breathing soup the whole day. Yeah. And um, I think um, I tried to drink my water and it burned me again. <laughs> and then um, I, I ended up having to get like a bucket and putting ice cubes and cold water in it for my feet. And that was the only thing that saved me, I swear. I saw a good hack, which was if you strap like an ice pack to like the back of a fan. Oh, yeah. Or the front of a fan even. Then you get like some nice cool ice, air. Ice air. Because yeah, otherwise it's just like having tea blown into your face. Yeah, no, it's just, yeah. Because that's the problem with fans, isn't it? I mean, they just really dry out your throat. Max mm. had, uh, my brother had um he bought a couple of those Dyson fans, you know, the ones that oh, recirculate those are like the air. Really expensive, but cool. Yeah, they're yeah. super cool. Though. They've got like the rings and they actually, they actually do make a bit, a big difference. Do they heat as well? I think you can get some that are two and ones. Okay. Don't trust the two and ones though. Well, it's just, it just doesn't seem. <laughs> it's too right good to be that true. You've got a machine that can do both. <laughs> just like, nah, you've only got one that's really good at one or one that's really good at the other. That's funny. The, the notion that one can do both competently just doesn't sit right with me. It keeps me up at night. <laughs> I think on that note, we should uh, we should go to something equally um, terrifying and brilliant and wonderful. Yeah, um, so if we've not got more. the so this is Graveline's third album, Communion. Yes. Um, lineup is more or less the same. Got different uh, drummer this time around. Indeed. So you've got Jake Harden on vocals, Ollie on guitars, uh, Sam Chase, who's the new drummer, and uh, Staggering Matt. Staggering Matt. Yeah. So obviously Matt and Ollie, uh, Matt and Jake. Sorry, yeah, previous <laughs> guests on the show. Yes. Um, that was a, that was always a fun episode, wasn't it? That was a good. Intense it was great. Three hours. I think we'll have them back on hopefully yeah. soon at some point. Yeah. And I think it's safe to say that from having spoken to them in person, you can totally see where they're coming from and their musical output. Like the way they are as people is totally reflected. Yes, totally. In the, uh, in the style of their music. Um, but saying that, if there's one thing I kind of, if I could give like an overall like uh, blurb of this album, I feel like this is more of a, like a refined modern approach mm -hmm. compared to the previous two albums. I there's... feel like there was a lot more like doom and gloom mm -hmm. on the on their two first albums, whereas this one, I think, I, I really like how they've continued to incorporate different elements. Like there's one track in particular, which was uh just give me a second uh tashinid tachinid tachinid yeah um which was really cool kind of like more industrial and it had like the 
like Jake was doing these weird kind of like yelled, almost like narrator style vocals. And it was just um, like there's some cool industrial elements on the album. And uh, I quite like how a lot of the track titles are named after parasitic All of creatures. them are. Is it all of them? All of them. I actually did loads of research um, into Let's what each it. one does because they're really cool. And parasites are kind of awesome and, and creepy and, and awesome. Yeah. Um, but I can go through those in a bit. But Tachinid is, I think, I agree, is like a really standout track because it starts with a synth, right? Yeah. And it's got that Killing Joke style, like distorted vocal with loads totally. of gain on it. And Jake's like, yeah, it's, I really like that track a lot. But I feel like, yeah, overall, um, I, the, the track um, Lycanid, which I'm probably butchering the pronunciation. <laughs> um, that's the longest track on the album. I feel like the whole album is kind of anchored and centered around that track. That's so about 11, sort of 12 minutes long, but it's just such a great... There's one thing I love in um, music, and especially with artists that are not afraid to take the time to write a long track. Mm. Part of the reason why I love Enslave so much is I love it when a man takes the time to build to a climax in the track and then is not afraid to also have like that descent and that come down. Like, you know, I think the structure of a long song is so important into as to whether or not it's going to be enjoyable as a song. So I feel like there's a lot of bands out there who, who are instrumentally and um, very gifted, but like it's can, it can just be a bit of a bit of a drag when it's just so much of the same for so long. And there's very few bands that could get away with doing that. I think Sleep are one of them. Yeah. And bands like Electric Wizards as well. You know, bands are literally masters of that uh, monotone, repetitive style. They're but, masters of a particular atmosphere, I feel. Yeah. But Gravelines, I think, have done that, but with a lot of variation and development as well. And I really, I think you can really hear on this album, like the growth that the band has gone through over the past few years. Yeah. No, yeah, just totally agreed. Um, uh, really like the track Carcini. Um, I'm just pronouncing it like an Italian mobster because I just think it sounds cooler that way. Carcini. Carcini. <laughs> Where is uh, my carcini? Just a parasitic crab, uh, not the kind I normally have. It's a, it's like a, a worm that, that feeds on the crab, I think. Oh, is it? Oh, I is it? Okay. Wait, hang on. Let me, because I, I wrote it down. Do, 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 do. Yeah, so it's the crab hacker barnacle, Saluccinia carcini. It's a species of parasitic barnacle in the family Saccholinidae. I'm just doing all the Latin and Italian accents now because it's fun. <laughs> and I speak Latin. Latina <laughs> Italia. I don't know what that was, but yes. <laughs> but yeah, apparently the, the males and the females express differently. The, the males, funnily enough, are basically just um, sacks of cum. That's all they're for. The male parasites are, um, are hang on, they, I love the way they scientifically say it because it literally just says they're only for reproduction, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's it's, it's there's got to be some sort of deeper meaning here. I couldn't find lyrics for this. I mean, I can make out. I couldn't find lyrics, but I did hear bits and pieces and I I've loved what I did here. Yeah. Yeah. The great thing is he's a great at enunciating his words and, and like yeah. singing and slash screaming of such passion that it's actually very you can very clearly hear what he's saying a lot of the time. I just didn't have the time to really write down on note any of it. <laughs> yeah, Jake's got one of my favorite voices, like vocal tonalities in, in the whole scene. Honestly, I think he's a seriously underrated singer. I think he's a great vocalist. And it's like I remember actually talking with him about this when he was he was guesting on the show, and I think, you know, part of the reason why I think he works so well is because like you can tell that is his his raw voice yeah like he's him. not doing any false chords there's no fry screaming like that's his actual like raw voice that's coming out and i think that's something that kind of gets a bit lost in the scene especially within like the murkier subgenres mm. especially within death and black metal because a lot of the time it's just techniques to make it sound a certain way or to emulate a sound that's a style that's already been done a million times before but, like you know when i hear jake's vocals i think that is his voice i think it's quite unmistakable i think a lot of people are afraid to use their true voice i feel like there's a lot of um sort of expectation with the the artists themselves and from the audience for not all audience some audiences to sound a particular way and i think it takes like um yeah i just i just like that jake is just unapologetically doing his thing and it his voice is unique like there's i can't think of anyone else that sounds like him in the doom scene if, if anyone sounds similar i'd think of like you know like um dead can dance like the male yeah. vocals in that like stuff from the 80s and 90s um and i think that's fucking sick like there needs to be more vocals like that and you can i think everyone in the band you can hear them in the music yeah because they're all really cool guys and they all have like very distinct personalities and you can feel that all coming together 
um, which is why I love this album. Yeah, it's a great album. It really is. And you know, t- to that point you were saying about here and everyone in the band, I think the bass sounds amazing on this album. <laughs> yeah. Like it really is just, and it's such it's such a tricky thing to do in like the metal slash uh, heavy music scene because it either kind of just blends in and ends up mirroring the guitar or it ends up being, you know, so apart from the music that it kind of takes away mm-hmm. from the overall like cohesion of the song. But like not on this album, I feel like the the tone is immense. Like it's got that 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 deep rumbling kind of like subterranean sound, but it's not like it's still quite clean. Yeah, which is what I really like. Yeah, um, and there's just certain moments in the album that I really enjoyed, like uh, like like the track Carcini. I was saying that that gives me a bit of a candle massy kind of vibe at yeah, certain points, and even that. the vocals. I feel like Jake, he's kind of like singing with more of like a like you know like a Malcolm Messiah kind of like timber you know when there's like a is it are you late latent you call it when undulations like, yeah yeah oh you mean vibrato vibrato that's vibrato. what i was thinking of yeah, yeah. couldn't i spent ages trying to think of that word <laughs> yesterday i was like fuck what is that word that's exactly the word i was thinking of yeah but yeah it's just uh overall i was super super impressed with this album i think it's a great i think it's an album that could potentially maybe catapult them a bit more into the uh overall consciousness of the scene as well because um it's uh, after seeing them live uh, at Bloodstock last year as well, like and known how how much they put on a good live show as well. It'd be mm. it'd be exciting to see uh, where they go next with this in terms of how they market the album and who they end up going on tours with and stuff. And they opened for like Ministry last year, didn't oh, they? Oh, you're saying yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's yeah. It's wild. It's such a cool place, to, such a cool gig for them to be on. Like, I would love to see be in a crowd in that kind of like I love like multi genre cross genre things and there's like a lot of industrial a lot of doom there's like i mean jake's um distorted vocals are sick as well like there's so so much variation this is like a very flexible this would be a really flexible billing of a lot of bands it would sound good yeah you're absolutely right and i think to add on to the point about there being a lot of industrial influence like the last track sinensis that's my favorite track that was a great track because i think that's got a real cool blend of like the industrial elements i love the way how it ends with like just the synth just pulsing yeah i just thought it was super cool and like actually he's clean vocals there like he's got he's a great clean vocalist as well as a harsh vocalist it really it kind of reminded me of like michael ackerfeld's best moments at times yeah i see that it's such a honey honeyed like sweet yeah. voice but it's not it's not saccharine in like a he's not putting it on he just has like this smooth caramel voice yeah um sounds like i'm describing a chocolate bar but i'm not <laughs> um yeah the when i first heard this track um, and Shem can confirm. I started like <laughs> when when the harmonies kick in. I was like, oh! I just started like yelling. I was like so excited by it. I just it was so good. That I had like a physical reaction because wow. um, yeah, it's it's awesome. And I don't think people use harmonies enough. And this was like this is the kind of song that I would like. I would love to write. I was like, I wish I wrote this song yeah. when I listened to it. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's like um, there's a lyric in this one that really stood out to me. It was like, I think um, the lies become a circle. That's so sick. And the song is actually based on um, it's a it's a fungus that grows on insects. <coughs> oh me. man, can I can I pronounce this in the family Orpheocordis siptaceae? I think um, found in meadows three and a half thousand meters in the Tibetan plateau in southwest China and the Himalayan legion, regions of Bhutan and Nepal, and it parasitizes the larvae of ghost moths, um, which is really cool. But it's it's used as a herbal remedy in traditional Chinese medicine, but because it's actually, I think it's actually quite toxic. It's got arsenic and heavy metals. So it's been strictly kind of like regulated um, by the CFDA. And they look really weird. They're like the, the length of a match and they just grow on moths. Really? Yeah. Grow on moths? Christ. There's some crazy parasites in this album. Yeah. God yeah. Damn. I knew I knew a few of them already. Um, but I learned like I learned about some really cool ones because Jake is um, Jake loves insects. He loves animals in the natural world, which is awesome. Yeah, the brood sack caught my attention. Just just the name of it. I know it's oh. a good insult. Yeah, yeah, calling <laughs> it's someone like a, a brood Victorian sack. Insult. It is. It's like you know an unmarried woman in her thirties. <laughs> brood sack. Yeah, because yeah, when you're like twenty six, you become a fawn back. Because a spinster, a yeah, a spinster is like an unmarried sort of like twenty-one year old, and then a fawn back is like I think when you're twenty-six plus, you become a fawn back. See, in my mind, I thought spinsters were older. I think that's what we like how we use the word colloquially now, but yeah. back then it was a younger unmarried woman. Okay. But the older you get, the worse the names become. So the vast majority of young people today are spinsters, really, because no yeah. one really wants to get married or have kids too much these days, do they? Just, no, they don't. People, no. people don't want to do that. I'm a fawn back. 
yeah. proud. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, 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 what's the brood sack? We talked about that. That was the crab one, wasn't it? So I had know it as a parasitic flatworm. Oh, yeah, those are the ones that can be like two meters long. Um, really? Fuck yeah. Ask. Yeah, they're... That's wild. <laughs> it is wild. Parasites are fucking cool, man. Um, it's a green band, banded brood sack, parasitic flatworm. Um, usually, oh, yeah, these ones are interesting. They, they, um, it's not the two meter ones. These ones use snail eyes as hosts and they imitate. Um, caterpillars on the eye of the snail which attracts birds because they eat snails so they they get eaten by the bird and then they use the bird as the primary host wow that's pretty uh it's just insane isn't it yeah it's cool it's really cool so the adult parasite lives in the bird's cloaca um and releases its eggs into the feces of the bird so if you if a bird poos on you it's gonna have brood sacs in it probably yeah yeah I got shot on once when I was a kid. It only happened once. I know some people it's happened numerous times. But... Twice in one week for me. Really? Yeah, when That's I was a really kid unlucky. as well. It was the worst. God. Yeah. It was, um, I don't know why, but just speaking about parasites so much just reminds me of this funny picture I saw online. <laughs> Have you seen that weird website, right? That Dali uh, generator that auto generates the images you type I in? I love that website. This one, I found one today and it was a great one. It's a, uh, you know, you know the tardigrade, the um, yeah. the one that can like live in space. That's so it's cute. a tardigrade and a dashing playing together at the dog park. <laughs> looks like a dog oh my god <laughs> I thought it was really cute and wholesome <laughs> it looks like um you know those dogs with loads of skin oh yeah the the, the um Sharpe. Sharpe. yeah together we got there um they're the ones with the blue tongues as well maybe you know why they have so much skin why because they were actually bred to be fighting dogs so the idea was like when they would bite each other they wouldn't bite through flesh they'd just bite through the skin so they wouldn't get like really terrible wounds so they could yeah. keep fighting which is really unethical oh, i damn. don't agree with it but that's why they have loads of skin oh nice so we've covered the 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 biological reason why sharpays have got loads of skin and we've we've delved into the parasitic uh <laughs> bird poo community <laughs> so uh what, what else have i got to say about this album um I, it's just really fucking good really i mean that's that's the be all and end all i think um and it's kind of kind of it's funny because we only really review albums we know we're kind of gonna like so i think uh sorry to anybody expecting us to review something and absolutely shit on it but we're just not going to review anything <laughs> there's that... no point no one wants to... <laughs> yeah maybe we'll do like a hot take video on youtube one day but even then nah. yeah yeah i don't know <laughs> we, just... we have some hot takes I'm trying to think what hot takes I have. It's funny because I'm so fucking self-absorbed. I'm thinking, is that a hot take? Or is that just what everyone else thinks? <laughs> That's the truth. That's not a hot take. That's a hot take. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want, I can go into some of the untalked about parasites on this album. Well, if you want, I'd say go for it, yeah. I do want to, actually. So um, the first song, Gordian. The Gordian, you know what a Gordian knot is? I looked this up, but I forgot to write it down. Fair enough. So the Gordian, the word Gordian comes from, um, I can't remember, fuck, it's been, I didn't actually look this one up. I just remembered it and then forgot. But there's this um, sort of like um, story about Alexander the Great where he goes to a place and they challenge him to untie the Gordian knot, which is supposed to be like an untieable knot. Ah. So he solves it by just cutting through it with his sword. And he's like, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> and then everyone's like, yeah, well done, Alexander the Great. You're so intelligent and a great yeah. conqueror. This is how leaders think, blah, blah, blah. Um, but this worm is kind of named after the the whole like Gordian entanglement idea. Um, they're commonly known as horsehair worms or hair snakes, which is kind of freaky. And those are the ones that can be like two meters long. Um, and they kind of live in like damp areas, walking trails, swimming pools. Don't oh. go to the swimming pools. The adult worms are free living, which sounds like they they kind of like wear crystals and, and drink like uh, kefir or something, um, which is cute. Um, but they usually they lay, lay their eggs in like beetles and crotch. Crotch? <laughs> and crotch? Oh, Shem's got a picture of it. Oh, that's so freaky. Oh, that's my odd, God. Isn't, isn't that crazy? Yeah. So um, don't eat beetles or crotches. Um, the next song I will listen I will follow the advice of one of those things <laughs> no more funny if I formed a Gordian knot most days when I pull my headphones out of my pocket oh my god <laughs> fucking unsolvable knot right there maybe those are the parasites that like feed on <laughs> human uh, human <laughs> mental distress the the next song is um, Agrifaga Agrifaga perhaps um, which is named after Hymenopimysis 
agrophaga, which is a Costa Rican parasitoid wasp, which is one of the most famous sort of freaky parasites. This parasite made a biologist actually lose faith in God. When he studied this parasite for the first time, he was like, this is so fucked that God can't be real. Which is awesome. No, no, no sentient, omnipresent power could create something this this fucked up, this brutal. Okay. Um, and this is how brutal this is. So it's a wasp, um, and the way that it reproduces is that it will lay its eggs on top of a on, on a spider, on a tarantula. And the way it does that is that usually there's two ways it does it. Either it um, tricks the spider into thinking it's been caught in the spider's web by getting like fake caught in the web, and then it will sting the spider continuously for two minutes and lay its eggs um, on like the sort of bit of a spider. And then when the eggs hatch, they will, um, the larvae will burrow their way into the tarantula and then eat the tarantula alive. That's making my skin crawl. It's <laughs> horrible. It's, it's pretty intense, isn't it? Shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Are you looking up, Shem? <laughs> God. That's, you, you, don't, you don't want to be reincarnated as one of those. Fuck. Yeah. Um, and then the next one, which I think might be my favorite, was the Lacaonid, which is a kind of butterfly. And I did not know that there were parasitic butterflies. Oh. They're really beautiful. Um, but what they do is they kind of um, they kind of get ants to serve them. They're like the dominatrix parasites of the animal world. So what they do um, is they... There are many different species and all of them have different kinds of associations with ants. One of the ways they do it is um, they will induce ants to feed them via regurgitation um, in a process called trophallaxis, which is basically where like, the, the ants are just going to vomit food into their mouths. Usually it's the larvae, so they'll usually li lay their larvae in ant nests. Um, and they have glands that produce secretions that attract and subdue ants. So these butterflies just smell like sexy to ants. And the ants are like, I will do anything for you. Um, and they, they basically the larvae will produce vibrations and low sounds that they use to communicate with ants. So the butterflies have learned how to talk to ants and make ants want to be their slaves which is crazy. Um, and some, sometimes they're mutualistic. What they, what they do, so 75% of species apparently have a relationship them, with them called myrmocephaly, um, where they will kind of produce a kind of rich sugary honeydew for the ants. Um, so they have like a sort of exchange feature. Um, but yeah, it's, there's, there's a lot of stuff about, about the butterflies and the ants relationships which i think is kind of crazy that's mad I had, a, I had no idea of any of this so i think uh, dreamworks you've got your plot for your next ants movie right there <laughs> it's been what 20 years since the last one <laughs> ants too <laughs> the rise of the fucking like rated yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh i think we talked about the tachinids um oh they're a fly they paratus oh no that we didn't talk about these ones they're a kind of there's like 200 no they're not 200. They have 200 different hosts, this parasite, and it's a class of fly. Um, and they're actually used as biological pest control by farmers. Not all of them, um, because some of them are generalists and they will, like, kill too much stuff. But they'll basically, they'll basically like, fuck up other insects by the sounds of it. And then we had the crab hacker. Um, we had the brood sack. And then sinensis was the fungus. I think we've done all the parasites. Damn. That's... Yeah, you could, you could definitely, you would have to have an interest in this to know all that, right? You couldn't just willy nilly decide on a concept like this yeah, and just do they, it half assed, yeah. yeah. Yeah, one of the one of the best lyrics I heard that really like made me shudder in a good way was um I think it's in Broodsack where Jake screams, "You can feel it scrape the inside of your skull," Ooh. which is a cool lyric, especially in this concept because you know he's talking about like a worm just like like scraping against your yeah. against your skull which would be an intense feeling i know that i'm guessing like a lot of these parasites are allegorical for the kind of sort of like perhaps maybe yeah cultural and societal parasites that there are <laughs> we have a few as well as the <laughs> it's uh, saying all this i feel like this is more of a positive album than the previous one still yeah i love this yeah. album yeah it's definitely there's less self-hatred from yeah. But I have not listened to all the lyrics properly yet. I've only listened to it a few times. I need to. I will be going back to this a lot. Go cool album a long cover time. as well. I love the yeah. album cover. It's great. Uh, I forgot to make a note of who it was that did the album cover. But, Damn, um, me too. 
But no, it was, uh, yeah, it's overround, uh, overall a great fucking effort. Yeah, they're playing a album release show on Friday 29th of July at Club 229. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's Club 229 again. So. It's um, Great Portland Street. It's a really nice venue. It's quite oh, it's big. Great Portland Street. Yeah. Okay. We played there once many years ago. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Should we move on to Wemrock? Let's do it. To Hiss. So, I, so Wemrock are an, interest, uh, an interesting one uh, for me because... Um, basically been um following them since their inception in like the early 2010s and um one thing i've noticed which they've continued with this album is they've made the progression of kind of starting off as just standard kind of grind band you know, like just short bursts of like you know 40 second songs similar to like bands like insect warfare and some of them are more than grind bands and i feel like they've done a really good job of with especially with uh, Voices, the 2016 album, and now this album. I think they've done a really great job of incorporating so many different elements from so many different subgenres. Like this album alone, there's, there's there's a heavy thrash influence on this album. Yeah, totally. Uh, like a crossover, like thrash kind of feel. Um, there's a lot of post-hardcore as well, I feel, which was mm. quite a cool addition, which I hadn't heard previous to this. Um, like a little bit of black metal, obviously death metal, grind. It's such a well-rounded extreme metal album. I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with this. Um, and for me personally, I think it's a great addition to their discography. Um, I don't think we've ever talked about Wormrot before, so I don't know what your preconception of the band was or if you had much experience with the band. I know you're not the biggest on Grind, or not, not but like, not, not the biggest, <laughs> but like it's never been one of the subgenres you've really delved into too much, is it? I used to love Grind. Oh, fair. Um, so I also started following them around 2011, and they formed in 2007. Oh, that um, long ago? Yeah. Wow. I saw them play the Grosvenor, um, I think, around 2011, 2012. I, yeah. I think it was their first, one of their first UK shows Oh, ever. nice. Um, and there was literally like 50 people there. It yeah. was a tiny, tiny venue. And they were like, I think it was in, it felt like it was in the round. But I think it was just small and there weren't many people. Um, and this was like a pub in the middle of nowhere in South London. <laughs> it was crazy. It was such a good show as well. Like, I, I really... Um, they're the kind of band that I don't listen to much grind and I don't listen to much anymore, although I still have a, a T-shirt that I bought at that show. So it's like, a, how how long ago was that? Like over 10 years ago. Has it got like the sick logo in like yeah, the Yeah, it's um, got the skull the yeah. and the red characters down the side. I love that shirt. It's a really nice shirt. I never wear it. I need to find it. Um, yeah, like I, I really like that band and they're really nice people. I, their drummer disappeared. Do you ever, did you ever see that? Their drummer just like took off one day. Well... Uh, I, I vaguely remember something about the drummer, yeah. Yeah. And I also know that this is the vocalist's last album. He's since left the band. Mm. So I think at the moment it's just the guitarist and the... But the drummer's back now, right? Or is is it, it I think it's drummer? a different, drummer. different drummer. I think it's a different drummer. Because he, he just like... Because if you go on the band camp, um, you can see their Tumblr. They've got a link to their Tumblr. Oh, and it's Tumblr. not been updated since like 2011, 2012. Damn. And like one of the last posts is them being like, yeah, this guy's just like taken off again and we haven't heard from him in weeks. So we're just going to release this album. We're going into the studio and, and I guess we're not with this guy in the band anymore. So I don't, I doubt that they've got back with that particular guy. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't be with a band member that flaky, I suppose, could you? Nah, I, I, I doubt they would have been this big. And they're successful if they'd stayed with someone who was like not reliable in that way. Um, but yeah, they've they've gone really really far in in that time, and they are definitely I would argue one of the best contemporary grindcore bands um, on this planet right now. Oh yeah, for sure. I'd even go one further and say they're one of the best contemporary just extreme music bands because it's uh, they got some great exposure a few years back. So I know they played uh, Glastonbury because they played was that the Metallica year. I, I can't remember if it was a Metallica year, but basically they had like this little thing with Earache. Yeah. Because they had Napalm play. Because Earache had a stage. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's what it was. Yeah. So they had so they had Napalm and, and obviously uh, Wormrot have been with um, Earache for the last three albums, I think. So pretty much mm. the majority of their career now. Um, so yeah, so they played at Glastonbury. I think the first ever grindcore band. Well, I mean, wow. seconds after Napalm Death. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they probably would have went on before that's, Napalm Death. Yeah. So they would have been the first one to play. So. <laughs> That's yeah. so crazy. Yeah, and obviously it's quite cool. And then obviously Turnstile played there this year, so that was some good exposure for them. They're the perfect band for Glastonbury. Yeah. yeah, they're going to go on to like some next crazy exposure, I think, and, and, mm. and new unprecedented heights for hardcore. But like, um, I think after listening to this album, you could definitely see that they're making a concerted effort to um, 
broaden their horizons a bit and you know cast a bit of a wider net in terms of their musical influences. Um, I have to say, of all the albums we've ever reviewed, this has been the one that's been the fucking hardest to take notes for because by the time I finish writing the sentence, <laughs> the next song starts. Yeah, song's on, so I'm like, fuck, I've got to be quick. Um, yeah. But like, uh, yeah, just going through, there's a, one thing that stood out in particular, maybe just because it was the last track, but the last track, uh, Glass Shards, um, and he said glass, which I knew you would have absolutely have lost your shit. <laughs> glass. Glass. Glass Shards, I think, is such a fucking amazing track. I've already mentioned them once in the podcast again, so this will be the last time I mention them, but it does remind me of Enslaved a little bit. Um, I just love the tone of everything, the guitars, the bass. Um, the violin, the guest violinist they have on the album, is amazing because in the two other tracks prior to this, like the violin is used in a way that's really like cacophonous mm. and like aggressive. Like yeah. normally I'm so used to hearing violins. The and sad being, violin. Yeah. yeah. But like... And those previous two tracks, which featured the violin, I've got it in my notes, but I can't remember the top of my head. And this track, um, I really liked because it was, it was a bit more of a standard use of the violin, but I think it was just executed so well. It really reminded me a bit of the band uh, Nea Bliviscaris. If you ever listen to them much, but they've got like they they've got two vocalists. They've got a harsh vocalist and they've got a clean vocalist who's also their violinist. So there's a there's a lot of like prominent violin in the music, and it's not like gimmicky because mm. you know sometimes when you listen to metal and they've got violin, it could just be a bit like okay, well this is just you know tacked on just to add a bit of atmosphere, quote <laughs> unquote. But like the way that Wormrot do it is a way that I've never really heard it used in any uh, extreme or sort of metal album previous to this. So just super impressed. There's so many cool pots in the album. Um, just there's so many like sick like breakdowns and like sort of like thrashy riffs and like kind of like two steppy style riffs. Just it's just so good. Um, God. And then you've got like, your classic like shorter like grind bangers. Like yeah. This. So they've got enough in there to appease the fans of like the more traditional like grind sound. Um, and they just kind of remind me of of like. And this is not to say like I I'm I've always been a big Pig Destroyer fan. Right. But like, I feel like they're in like the twilight of their career now because mm -hmm. uh, I've been around for a while and I feel like the last album was just a bit more kind of, you know, run of the mill. But there was a there was a point where Pig Destroyer were also that band that would they were the ones that were doing the exciting things and grind, taking steps forward, you know, like having a 20 minute doom song and loads of other like cool like ideas and concepts within, you know, the, a genre that I think is often quite typecast. Mm -hmm. I think people have got a misconception that grind is quite one dimensional when it's not at all. Um, and now I think Wormrot have taken on the mantle that Pig Destroyer had and being that band that, 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 that brings grind or grind-based music to the consciousness of people's mind within the scene and making them realize that there's more to it than just, you know, eight-second songs and a guy screaming. Yeah. Sometimes there is, that, that is all there is to a track. <laughs> yeah, these guys had, like, the best encore I've ever seen at a live show where they were like, okay, we're going to play an encore, and it was like three seconds. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> it was so tongue-in-cheek about it. That's like Napalm Death when they do uh, You Suffer, and they play it three times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is great. I really, I was really, I don't think I listened to the previous album. I've not listened to them for a few years, but I've always known I love them. Um, it was just kind of one of those bands I need to be reminded that they're like a band that I really love. So when I heard the clean vocals in, I think, Broken Maze. Oh, yeah. The Sanctuary has a clean vocals. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what? I, yeah. I thought I was listening to the wrong band for a second. <laughs> it really took me by surprise. Um, I really, I really, really liked. What was it? Um, oh, yeah. I like how the beginning of the album starts with like relaxing water sounds. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, ah, oh, spa moment. And then it starts like clobbering <laughs> you around the head with like the riffs. And um, I loved the delay at the, on the blah at the beginning of Behind Closed Doors. Oh, you love a good blah. I love a good blah. I love that they added the delay to it. So it's like yeah. there's a few bless at the, yeah. at the end that echo around you. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I don't know, I didn't look into it, but Shem was saying that apparently there's a lot of tributes to Riley Gale. Um, power trip easter eggs in this album Fuck, i do wonder what? if that's it that's that makes it. so much fucking sense when you listen to the music and like i feel like when i think about it even like a lot of the vocal cadences because mm. there's a lot of like moments on here where the vocals are a bit more like sort of thrash-esque yeah totally i totally hear that now that makes so much fucking sense i didn't know that i didn't either no um not i, I haven't like googled it but um, i'm assuming that that it's true yeah, and apparently Power Trip is still going. I don't know what they're going to do, but they're still active oh. as a band. I think they mentioned the other month that they were working on new music. So, I hope they do keep going because, like, Riley was a legend, and I'm I'm so sad that he's gone. But 
I like I feel like they still have albums in them. Yeah. And they should definitely. keep going. Yeah. Just I suppose the bigger one is what, what Black Dahlia Murder are gonna do. I mean, that was just still I'm still shocked over that. I couldn't but I couldn't believe that. <laughs> so obviously that was scheduled to play Bloodstock this year. But yeah. um I can't remember who's replacing them. But it's uh yeah, just 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 absolute crazy. It's just it's always a shock when someone younger goes in the scene. It is really um, yeah. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, if uh, I hate to say it, but if, like Bobby Liebling kicked the bucket tomorrow, <laughs> I would be. I, I don't want to laugh, but I shouldn't have laughed. But this... <laughs> you're not going to get many people um, like with a shocked expression on that one, are you? Um, I honestly like. I'm surprised he's still alive. Yeah. And after seeing him in person, that man is frail. Oh, God. Yeah. It's like Lemmy as well. Like, I think people were more shocked at the fact that he was still alive than the fact that when he actually died, people were just like. God, yeah, God, he hung on much longer than I expected <laughs> Same with Ozzy. him to. Ozzy's like that too. It's a miracle yeah. that he's still walking around. God, yeah, he's still he's still going, isn't he? Yeah, he must he, be in his eighties now, surely. Nah, surely not. Hang on, this. I, I would. I think Ozzy's like my parents' age, if I had to guess. I, the only reason I know this is because I know the Beatles have just turned eighty, pretty much. Seventy-three. Seventy-three. I'm not far off. Nice. Yeah, he's a little bit older than my parents then. But yeah, no, because he was such a mark or a big fan of uh, the Beatles. Yeah. There's this really wholesome scene of uh, Ozzy meeting their Paul McCartney. <laughs> and it's like watching him fanboy. It's like, oh, I was such a big fan of your music. And I was That's just so like, cute. the amount of people that would be like that towards Ozzy. Yeah. So seeing him be like that towards uh, Paul McCartney was just quite surreal. That is surreal. Yeah. Who would be your fanboy? Uh... Oh, see, I've thought about this sometimes, and I don't know if it'd be either a wrestler or somebody within the music scene. Um, One from each. Well, see, I think, I don't know, with, my, with, with work, I think I've kind of trained myself to like mask my emotions pretty well, but there's got to be someone. Internally, you would be screaming, so yeah. who, would, who would make you internally like... Well, I was a bit taken aback when I met Michael Ackerfeld that one time. I think I would be, I would... But, Lose my mind. I think I only really Sorry. kept it together because he was with his kids. Uh-huh. Um, um, Wrestler-wise, probably would have been The Undertaker before I found out. <laughs> he was basically like this Republican boomer. Oh, no. But, like, um, uh, I have met Bret Hart at a signing because I was a big Bret Hart fan. So, But I think because I anticipated it and knew I was going to get a signing, it wasn't as bad. Um, but I think the problem with wrestlers is, and this, I suppose this is the same with certain uh, tenants of the music scene, a lot of them are quite scummy now. So <laughs> it's, it's like they're very problematic people. Yeah. Um, in terms of musicians, um, I've had brief conversations with some of the guys from Enslaved before, but like it was like, like I said, because of the situation, because I was at a gig. And I was like at the front and it was while they were like, like, you know, like tuning up and sound checking and mm. stuff. I was like, that is where I would expect to maybe have a quick conversation with them. Like I got a chance to say uh, uh, thanks to Ivar and, and, uh, and I spoke to Grutler once before as well at the Underworld. Um, trying to think what musician would it be? Thomas Lindbergh at the Gates. I think if, if I bumped into him randomly, I'd be really taken aback and I wouldn't know how to act around him. <laughs> and he does seem like a really cool guy as well. Mm. So... What would yours be? Uh, um, God, I would, I would, yes. Um, the person I probably fanboyed the most over when I met them was Jason Momoa, but like oh. I didn't actually fanboy. I just sort of like my eyes were really wide and I was like, oh God. Yeah. Um, Is he as big as he looks in the fucking yeah. massive? He's yeah. like seven foot tall. I was, I think, I remember like he put his arm around me and my head reached his nipple. <laughs> I felt like a child. <laughs> it's crazy. That's wild. Um, yeah. Um, musician wise, oh man. Um, I feel like if I'm at Ackerfeld, I'd be excited, but I don't think I'd, I'd um, embarrass myself. But I probably would embarrass myself. I did... When I met the one of the, the Pete French from Atomic Rooster, Shem tried to take a picture of me and I couldn't hold my face in a normal position. So it's probably <laughs> like a, a demonstrable time where I've where I've like outwardly lost my shit. And the hilarious thing about that is they're probably just so excited to see someone younger than fifty. <laughs> they came to at us. The show. They're probably just excited. <laughs> yeah. That was the thing. When they finished playing, they, the band walked over to us because we were like thirty years younger than <laughs> <Yeah>, for us. <laughs> It was really fun. They were like, what band are you guys in? That was the strange, that was a surreal, yeah. we were with Alistair. So like together we just looked like a, like a band, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I know those people. The moment we finish, I'll, I'll think, think of someone. Yeah. Rob Halford would be good. I'd like to meet Rob Halford. I just think he so just cool. seems like such a wholesome guy. It'd be great just to... Like, apparently he's a really good hugger as well. Really? A, yeah, apparently, yeah. To, to get a hug from Rob Halford would be quite good. I'm going to put that on my bucket list. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Even if it was in his bondage gear, I wouldn't mind. Probably enhance the experience. It, I think it would be better. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, it'd yeah. be really squeaky. Stickier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> more adhesive. Lots of creaking sounds. <laughs> yeah. I do like that sound, to be fair. Anyway, thank you so much for watching. Any final remarks on the albums today? No, uh, apart from uh, that I both really enjoyed them and that I highly recommend them. And now we're going to cut to an interview that we did at Hellfest with Tom G. Warrior. The legend, the man, the myth, the icon. <laughs> Wish I was there. Truly morbid man. But my passport's on my way. So, uh, <laughs> on your way. so I just need to build a time machine, <laughs> travel back in time, and then I'll be able to uh, be present there as well. We'll make it happen that hopefully we'll do another interview with him and you can be there. Obviously, I'm sure he'll be there for the next one. Hopefully, fingers crossed. But anyway, thank you so much for watching and listening. And feel free to like and subscribe and tell us who we should review next. Thank you and goodbye. Till next time. Hello and welcome. Oh, do you need a clap? Yeah, please. Would you, would you mind giving us a clap? Ooh. <laughs> yes. This interview is already perfect. Um, hello and welcome to the Serpent Temple YouTube channel and podcast. I'm here with Tom G. Warrior of Celtic Frost, Triptychon, Apollyon Sun and Hellhammer. Um, thank you so much for your time today it's a pleasure to talk to you i would love to do a side card reading with you all right would that be okay well let's try this sure let's try it so i'm going to pull three cards um the first card is going to be your past the second your present and the third your future obviously it's not set in stone it's we don't believe it in a spiritual sense but it's to do with jung's archetypes so right. each card has a symbol and we'll explore the symbol together all right okay so the first card do you want to pick up the first card i have to do it you have to do it i'm sorry all right Oh, liberation. 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 So this card is about freedom. This is about how um, there is a door with a key in the lock, but it's, it doesn't actually have a lock. Mm. So sometimes we free ourselves and we trap ourselves. Right. So does that pertain to my past, my present or my future? Your past. My past? Yeah. Well, if I actually have to elaborate on this... Uh, I think my entire uh, path in life is uh, liberation because I, I chose a path which, at least for the, at that time, was extremely unusual for Switzerland against uh, a mountain of obstacles and naysayers and people who tried to stop me. But I wanted to live my own life and I wanted to guide my own life to the extent possible in our society. Of course, nobody's really free, but you, know, you can at least choose a path that gives you some liberty and liberate yourself. Mm. And if this card has any, any symbolic uh, value on my life, it's probably that. And I've been following this path uh, uh, to this day, of course. And it's not an, it's, uh, it's not an easy path, of course, but it, I think it was well worth all the obstacle to surmount all the obstacles and to uh, prevail in this uh, struggle. Mm. I imagine you were met with a lot of resistance. How did you overcome it? Did you find you needed to? Well, you you grow every time you you surmount resistance. Uh, you you grow, and of course, initially you were a little child. I was a, I was a teenager, not knowing anything, coming from a farm village. I didn't have any connections. I didn't have any peers who could have told me how to do it. I didn't have uh, rich parents. Quite on the contrary. So I walked into every wall there was, of course, and um, you have to learn. And, and, you know, young musicians often ask me if I had some advice for them in the music industry, and I always tell them, uh, your, your, playing, your playing technique is far less important than your, uh, your ability to prevail, your patience, your, your, uh, your sense of destiny. Mm. Because that really, you know... There were so many people by my side at the time that also had that dream, but it just eventually gave up. And I'm not really talented. Uh, I'm a very mediocre guitar player. No, seriously, I'm, I'm just being totally honest here. The only reason why I'm, why I'm here tonight is because I prevailed. And, and uh, that's not necessarily a cool story. It was a very difficult part sometimes. Mm -hmm. But that's, to me, the, the quality that's most required 
that's a fascinating answer. I'd love to explore it more, but I do think we should move on to your present. Perhaps. Yeah. Would you be willing to take the next card? If I have to. You do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Peace. Oh, Jesus Christ. There is no peace. There is no peace. There is no peace. Not in the big picture on this planet ever, ever since we crawled out of the caves, mm. nor in uh, the small um, universe that is my life. There really is never any peace. And I'm not saying that to be dramatic. Mm. It's simply a fact. Um, my life the last few years has, has been, my private life has been dominated by turmoil. Um, and it's it's a constant uh, attempt to extract myself from that turmoil. And when you ex when you manage to extract yourself for a certain period of time, then you realize that on the outset there's also turmoil, mm. because we human beings haven't learned a thing ever since we uh, became civilized in quotation marks. So peace is uh, is a is a very nice concept, but it doesn't exist for as long as we exist on this planet, unfortunately. That's interesting. I feel like. Um I feel like from what I've gleaned from your interviews, you have interesting takes on, on creation and birth and where we come from and um, how we, who we are as people is related to creation. You want me to elaborate on that right now? You can, if you want to. I have to go on stage in, in, in an hour. I'm so sorry. No, you don't have to. You know, to. This, this is like the biggest question of, of them all. Maybe next time we'll ask you that question yeah. if there is one. <laughs> well, you know, I... I uh, we, we really I have noticed that we've really we really think highly of ourselves as a race on this planet the human race but I don't see much reason for that for this for this uh, arrogance um, I think we're highly flawed and we're proving this every single day and, and uh, we call ourselves civilized but I cannot detect that civilized to me is a very sacred word with a lot of meaning and, and in our behavior the last, I don't know, 10,000 years on this planet I don't, I don't uh, really detect a civilized race we, we simply have become very proficient in devising means to kill each other and kill all the other uh, beings on this planet and destroy nature but, but um, that to me is not civilization it's just taking it up a notch from, from when we only had uh, sticks What would be your ideal idea of civilization? probably a planet without human beings even though now the whole world hates me but I mean it's simply based you know I'm, I'm, I'm a history fanatic I, I have you know ever since I was like a, a young teenager I, I escaped into books and, and, and history is one of the, the areas that fascinates me most and by now I'm 59 and uh, you know I really digested so much history and, and that I can't really detect too much hope, too much peace, too much civilization, too much sophistication. Mm. And unfortunately, sometimes when we, when we actually achieve sophistication, we use it for uh, more technical means to kill each other. Yeah. So uh, I know it's very downcast, but it's, it's basically a, an observation of having been here for 59 years. Well, if, it feels like we've been on the brink of collapse for a long time. Well, yeah. Uh, but probably never as much as now. Yeah, exactly. I know generations have said that, and generations have had that feeling, but uh, we have more knowledge than ever before, and we really know now it's, it, it can be proven that we have ruined so much, and uh, mm. there are certain countries that, that uh, proceed to invade other countries as if it was still the medieval times, and so on. I mean, there's... Ten gazillion examples. Yeah. Yeah. What can I say? I'm just a, a guitar player. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you're more than that. Would you want to see what the future holds? Yeah, it's going well, isn't it, with these cards? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's have another catastrophe. The message. The so message. I just gave you the message. You did. Ungrateful. <laughs> totally <laughs> greedy, ungrateful. <laughs> the message is about... Um, how we receive information, um, how we react to um, like messages, for example, even if it's an email or if it's an offer or a friendship or a connection. And it's also about what we put out into the world as, as you acknowledge yourself. So as a musician, you are constantly giving and receiving messages. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, it's, that's, that's a, 
yes, again, a difficult question. Of course, I think you have a certain responsibility if you're a musician because you're given a platform to talk to people of your generation and, and when you're my age, also people of the next generation. And I myself, I was deeply impressed when I was a, a young teenage fan standing in the front row. I was deeply impressed about whatever the band said. Yeah. You're impressionable. You, you're, you're going into the world, you want to learn, you, 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 you look up to certain people and, and whatever they say, you, that really hits you. So I think you, you, you have a certain responsibility uh, as a musician. You're given a certain responsibility without wanting to go too far right now. I mean, we're not missionaries, you know. But you do speak to a large amount of people who are impressionable and, and uh, the message you're spreading should be handled accordingly. But that's just me. So uh, what's the main message that you want to put out into the world? Oh, God, there's so many. I mean, the main message basically deals with everything we've discussed so far. Yes. I, I try to go through life with, with open eyes. I'm, I, I hate violence. I hate... Injustice, not just among humans, also towards other other beings on this planet. But I'm also, even though I've been given a platform, I'm I'm not a politician. Luckily, I'm not a missionary. Luckily, and my influence is very limited. I, all I can do is is write lyrics that maybe occasionally make somebody think, without wanting to take myself too serious. I'm a very flawed person too. And everything I say here uh, with these grandiose words, you know, there's 59 years of a lot of failings and, and searching behind that. I'm, I'm, I'm probably the most un imperfect person you can meet, but I try. You know. I've definitely met more imperfect people. Well. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. I don't want to take too much because you are going on stage very soon. I'm, I'm very grateful that you waited uh, for this interview. It's, it's a pleasure. It's a very unusual interview. I'm sorry that, that uh, we came here late and everything. No, no. But thank you very much for giving it's me very this special yet again us. platform. Oh, yeah. well, thank you for also just giving us your time. It's been so cool yeah. to talk to you. I have something to say. Yeah? Peter Suchte. Peter Suchte. Nice. Right. I like that a lot. <laughs> All right. I never thought I'd hear you call me that. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you for watching, everybody. <laughs> Did I just ruin the whole thing? No, you made it amazing. You made it amazing.